by the way, I'm just going to say it oh, right Jesus now. Christ. I said during stages last summer during the tour, JB backed me up. JB's in the room, and you all listen, you people listening, you know, I said it. I said, so why in the wrong. fuck would you go do the tour of Spain? You just won the tour for the fourth time. Like, you've got this beautiful yeah. wife and a beautiful baby. Like, go chill on the beach. Unless they are backing up the Brinks truck, which maybe they did. They did. They did. They don't have they, – that race, that race doesn't have any money. They, but if they don't – why? anyways, sorry. All right, welcome to a special episode of the Stages Podcast. Even a special co-host, not the usual J.B. Hager. This time, for you fans of Stages uh, from last summer, you would have recognized uh, this man. Dylan Casey is sitting in with me. What you don't know is last summer, Dylan was just an old teammate and an old <laughs> friend. Uh, but I've somehow managed to strong-arm him into joining forces over here at We Do and launching this brand that's right which is uh so dylan casey is is now the one <laughs> the first and only ceo of, of we do and on in and under that obviously you have the forward podcast you have stages which is what we're doing today uh, as we said on facebook live and instagram live this isn't this is different right than talking yeah. about yeah uh, this, a bike race we're not talking about a race we're not talking about you know, the dynamics of what went down in today's stage or what might happen in right. tomorrow's stage. This is, this is basically something entirely new for stages and we do. And I think it also kind of sets the stage for where we're going in 2018. Right. And so it started last, you know, when JB and I were cranking out the daily show during the tour, you know, the, as soon as it ended, the question started, well, what's next? Right. And, and what about the Vuelta? What about the Worlds? What about Iron Man? Well, we've done some of that. We did Iron Man. We did the Holiday Gift Guide. But I think the unique thing that we can do, and actually any of us can do this, which is the amazing thing in this day and age, is we right. can we can broadcast a show at the at the you know at the spur of the moment. And so here we are. But going into 2018, you know, we initially set out to do 50 shows. That's right, 50 episodes. 50 episodes. So whether that's covering the spring classics or whether or not that's covering our adventures at the 24 hours in the old Pueblo right. or obviously the tour, who knows what happens and who knows what pops up. So yeah. for you fans of stages, just, just get sit ready. down and grab your popcorn and get <laughs> ready for 2018 because the, uh, the content will be wildly expanded. That's right. Yeah. Dylan actually called me and said, should, should we make a stages episode about the Chris Froome situation? Yeah. And I said, you're out of your fucking mind. Crazy. You're crazy. Yeah. And I, I was like, man, I, I'm going to hang up. <laughs> because in, in my own insecure way, I was like, I, I'm the last person that should be opining on this situation. Right. Right. And But as we began to talk about it, and I think this is where you came from, or your perspective that you came from, was that something... Obviously, we, we need to understand the science, which D Doc Phelan will help us understand. We we need to understand all the other data that's out there, but th something's not right about the way this unfolded, the way it was leaked. That just just the chain of events doesn't feel legitimate. Well, I think, and I'm not trying to pass judgment, good right, or bad. Right. I think. I think. I mean, we've seen this this movie over and over and over. 
right? And there's been all of this effort to, you know, improve the way that the sport is governed, improve the way that the sport and the business of professional cycling is run. And um, there's definitely been a lot of progress, mm -hmm. but I think the bigger question is, is why, why is this movie continuing to play out over and over and over? Because, you know, the people that are involved in the sport or, or you know, are part of it from, from a participant perspective or a business perspective, it's not going, it's, the numbers are not up and to the right, mm. right? And I don't think it's up and to the right for the fans. I don't think it's up and to the right for the media. I think- All the stakeholders. All the stakeholders, right? right. right? And, and so like, this isn't rocket surgery, right? Like right. It's, it's, everybody knows what the problem is. And, you know, I'm alluding to probably what we're gonna talk about. Right. But the bigger issue is that like, why can't we actually make progress? Because yep. I don't think we have. So let's, so for those people who uh, literally just crawled out from under a rock. Sure. Right. Let's, let's assume there was like one person listening <laughs> that has, they're like, what the fuck are they talking about? Right. So if you haven't been paying attention, Chris Froome, who won the Tour de France, he's now won it four times. He just won the Tour of Spain. This particular episode took place at the Tour of Spain, which, by the way, I'm just going to say it oh, right now. Christ. I said during stages last summer during the Tour, JB, back me up. JB's in the room, and you all listen, you people listening, you know, I said it. I said, so why in the wrong. fuck would you go do the Tour of Spain? You just won the Tour for the fourth time. Like, you've got this beautiful yeah. wife and a beautiful baby. Like, go chill on the beach. Unless they are backing up the Brinks truck, <laughs> which maybe they did. They did. They did. They don't have, they, that, race, that race doesn't have any money. They, but if they don't, why, anyways, sorry. I don't know why you got to hate on the Welton, man. That's a beautiful race. Listen, here's the dirty secret to the listeners, right? This man's sitting across the table from me. He never did the Tour de France. He never did the Tour of Italy. Yeah. Guess what's the only grand tour he's ever done? Yeah, Tour of Spain. La Vuelta. Look at him. He's got their back. I do. I love you're, this. I love the Spanish. I love them. Anyway, so last week, yeah, I wake up. I wake. I actually wake up and I get a text from my buddy College, mm, who says, I, "He says I wonder if this will, you know, he said something, you know, blah blah blah." I was like, "What are you talking about?" Right. So I open the link. Well, it turns out Chris Froome um, comes back. His this urine test comes back with um, with. Adverse. Twice, twice the allowable amount of salbutamol in his urine. Right. Which, and they call it an adverse analytical or something. Finding. Adverse analytical finding. Right. Which, I don't know what that means. But um, you're allowed, for asthmatics, you're allowed to have 1,000 micrograms per, per whatever. Right. And he, and he turned in 2,000. Right. And so, the, you know, it is not a banned substance. It is well, not. A, it is hol well, hold on. So... According to the rule book, my interpretation, because I, I, I went and did a little bit of research, it's a banned substance with a caveat, mm -hmm. right? Which is you're allowed to have so much of it in your urine, um, you know, under there, the following there's conditions. There's a threshold. There's a threshold, right? So I think there's some semantics there that are probably important, but for the for, for all intents and purposes, this is something that you're allowed to use during competition as long as you don't cross this threshold. Right. Right. So maybe now's a good time to get because uh, I'm still super confused about salbutamol. But right. before we pull in the dock, I just want to say uh, my fiance, Anna, who I talk about all the time on the other show, uh, is an asthmatic. So she right. she has salbutamol or bentolin at the house. 
And so this goes down and I'm going out for a ride. I was like, yo. And I was like digging around in the drawers. I was like, I called her. I was like, honey, where's your inhaler? I want to try something. I need, I'm doing this show. <laughs> yeah. I need to, research. I need, I need to do some research. Yeah. I'm like, how much do I do? She's like, try three puffs. So I take three puffs. I go for my bike ride. Granted, I wasn't trying to go up you know, a big mountain or try to win a stage in any bike race, but I was just cruising around. And for the record, I didn't feel anything other than maybe a little fidgety, yeah. to be honest. Um, but Doc, are you on the line here, Doc Phelan? Yeah, I'm here. So can you just bring uh, these two idiots and, and all the other listeners up to speed on, on Talk to us about asthmatics and talk to us about salbutamol inhalers. Just give me a little, you know, WebMD quickie on, on what substance we're talking about. So the, the substance we're talking about is a medication that we use. It's called a short-acting beta agonist, means really quick onset, and it gets out of your system real quickly. I think it's important to point out that the three substances that are allowed uh, per WADA are just inhaled substances. Oral medications or IV medications of this same substance are prohibited. They're not allowed. But by getting these three substances in, asthmatics or racers who have asthma can legally get a certain amount of medication uh, and stay under these, um, these thresholds. So these inhalers we use to relax the smooth muscles that line the respiratory tree. So it really opens up the airways when someone is having an asthma attack or, uh, you know, Froome technically has some degree of asthma and also exercise induced asthma. So actually exercising causes the, uh, the airways to constrict a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I had when I was racing, I had I was actually diagnosed by the doctor, our team doctor as well, to have exercise induced asthma, and I I used uh, salbutamol, and my symptoms were exasperated by either altitude or really really intense efforts like time trials, and my response was, you know, my throat, I would feel like I had bronchitis, mm -hmm. and I was like, I'd be coughing up phlegm the whole time. So if I use the inhaler, it would basically. Um, decrease the response that I was getting from, you know, from this, from exercising essentially. So that, that's how I used it. And we, and we do know that, that, that it is true that on the water list that, um, that the inhaler is legal up to the threshold oral yep. isn't and injectable is not doc. I read, uh, I, I flipped it to you on email earlier, but I read an article on cycling tips with a, with a doctor from the Irish uh, Federation that said that, even though his his limit was 2,000 twice the allowable limit, according to this particular doctor, an oral ingestion of this salbutamol would have, would be you know 20,000. Like it would be. Is that true, or is or is that a possibility? Well, it depends on the dose of the pill that you're taking. It's it's legally available in like a four milligram dose. Can't really equate the amount that's in an inhaler with the pill but you know the, the reason these drugs are on the on the banned list is i mean if you go back to the drug clenbuterol it actually those clenbuterol is a cousin of uh the substance we're talking about it can it's anabolic so it helps build muscle it repartitions fat it repartitions how you use energy 
Um, and you know, there were, uh, weightlifters in the, uh, in the late nineties and early two thousands who, uh, who got big sanctions for having a uh, positive tests for clenbuterol. Just in, and this is true. And I, and I, I've asked enough uh, questions about this and, you know, I always go to this place of like, you know, just because of my own personal history and I won't bore you with all that, but like, where's the study that says that salbutamol, salbutamol, whatever you, how you say, is a performance enhancing drug, right? And so th there is none, right? That's a fact. There are no studies that say that this is a performance enhancing. However, there is one study. Yes. However, correct. I'm sorry. Inhaled. But let's work off the assumption that, that this was too many. This is Puffgate. Puff right? We didn't tell yeah. the listener. We've now dubbed it Puffgate. <laughs> um, but let's work off the assumption that there were we, Chris had too many puffs. There is one study out of a, uh, a Danish lab that says when you combine the three, I guess there's three different types of inhalers uh, for asthmatics that, that are approved up to the threshold. If their study, according to this study, if you used all three, uh, they tested it with 100-meter swimmers. Right. And they were shaving, and again, I don't know this, how all this necessarily works, but they were shaving a one second. And do, actually, Doc Phelan's right. one of the best master swimmers in the country, so he'll appreciate this. He probably already read the study. But uh, in the 100-meter swimmers, they shaved a second off their time. So let's say mm -hmm. that 100 meters for those high-level swimmers is 50 seconds. That's a in One second is not nothing. That's a lot. That's big. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a sol that's a solid improvement. But we do, these are all we don't know, right? We mm -mm. we don't know um, and, and we're not going to say that 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 those other two inhalers or, or asthma medicines were involved. Right. Well, all actually and that's not even the point of this conversation right. that you and I are having. Right. Right? That's not what brought us here. In fact, I think <clears throat> once we, you know, we get everybody on the same page with regards to kind of the assumptions in, that we're basing our conversation on, you know, then this is where we get to turn left. Mm. Everybody else is going down the road to the right. And, you know, it's been published and printed and podcasted and tweeted and Instagrammed to death by now. Well, we're going left because because <laughs> I, I basically have a totally different perspective and interest on this. Yep. And that's the question is, which is, okay, why are we talking about this? Right? Well, I mean, I mean, but seriously. People are going to think you're crazy for saying that. Of course we're talking no, but, about it. But the, re but the thing is, is that the question that we should be really asking is, why did this get leaked to the press? Mm. Who benefits from whatever's going on here? Because 100% there's something politically, um, you know, there's some sort of political agenda that's getting played out and Chris Froome and Sky and, and for the that entire matter, sport and for that matter, all the other teams and all the other riders, all the mechanics, the Swaniers, the cooks, the secretary that works in the office to send people paperwork. They're all getting thrown under the bus mm -hmm. by this political agenda. Well, you got to keep in mind, man. I mean, think about this. And again, this is a, maybe a little inside baseball, but the timing of this, right? This happens. Right. On the 18th stage of the Tour of Spain, so in September sometime, the International Federation, the president is Brian Cookson, who's a right. Brit. For the UCI. Who's, who, for the, for the, you know, our governing, our international governing body. Right. 
about a month after that at the world championships is when they have the election every four years or whatever. Um, Cookson loses the election to a French guy, David right. Laparchien. Uh, Le so he comes in. So this entire controversy has spanned two different administrations, right? Right. right. And so to me, when you have a shift uh, or a a change in administration, you know, people come in and people go out. Right. And so while it happened uh, under Cookson's, you know, uh, under his watch or on his watch, um, there were other people that knew. So if you're stressing the leak, I mean, there are plenty of people that could have leaked this. Well, let's back up for a second. So as I understand the rules and the process and protocol that's supposed to be followed in this particular type of case, mm-hmm. the UCI and the organization responsible for essentially following that process has not done anything incorrect. And Chris and his team have not done anything incorrect as it's written in the rule book. Right. I guess the reason that the reason that you and I are here talking about this and the rest of, you know, the world and people that care about this sport are talking about it is because it was leaked to the press. Right. Okay. So that's that's really where the question well, that's the spark for this question, yep. which is really around what do we do? Why are we doing this again? It's because, the same movie because, over and over. Because cycling is the world's the sporting world's doormat. Right. It's a whipping boy. And, and so and by the way. I'm going to say this. I have to take a lot of blame for that. Mm-hmm. This is so easy for the press to say. Well, I mean, it's a find and replace. They've the, got the, the article, the written. article the day after in the New York Times was the biggest <laughs> bunch of bullshit that I have ever read. Yeah. If you're a if you're a fan of baseball that gets the New York Times every day and you read that story and it, it is just so harsh on Chris Froome and on the sport and on our sports history, I don't. Yes, I'm sure we deserve a lot of that, and I and I and I'm trying to accept some responsibility here because mm-hmm. I've sort of, um, you know, tainted the entire equation, obviously. Um, but you don't get an accurate depiction of this situation by reading that article, right? And that's the thing that really I read that and I was like, you've got to be kidding me! Like, there's so you'd have read that article and thought Chris Froome had you know a gallon of EPO for breakfast, right? And, right. and that's not accurate and is not fair to him. And by the way, too, while I'm at it, like <laughs> he could be completely exonerated. Right. He is tarnished forever. Well, th- yeah, damage is done. Damage is done. And, 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 and that you might think that that I'm talking about him caring whether or not they write negative articles about him. He, he may or may not. I don't know. And I don't really matter. But come next July, assume all this gets cleared up. Sure. Come next July, riding around France. It is already unpleasant for him. This is going to be complete yeah. mayhem. And I know exactly what that fucking feels like. And it ain't any fun. Right. And at the top of every climb and at the finish of every stage, especially if he wins one, what's the first question that he's going to have in the press conference room? Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and that's what the sp- that, that'll be the same thing that gets printed in every publication. Here, here, here you know what? You want to talk about a messed up system. Now that we're, you want to talk about the process and the system. Yeah is th- this could this could go on until late spring. I mean this is not 
It could go on for a year. This could go on for a long time. And this is what always, this is what happens in the sport of cycling is right. it just hangs over. And, um, you know, the structure of, of the sport is so fundamentally weak because you have this structure that was built a hundred years ago, right? That really not a lot has changed if anything. And in f- you might even argue that it's gotten worse, right? Um, it, it's, but all the while, you see the global impressions, you see the impact that the sport has in, in the, you know, in the world psyche, and it doesn't match up. Mm-mm. Well, and I, and I think the real question is like, again, you know, why it, it, it's, it just doesn't make any sense why this sport keeps doing the same thing over and over. Well. You know, and I'll tease out a, a future episode. We talked at the top of the show that there's yeah. that this channel is going to have more and more content. Rafa, the super cool um, apparel line and, and cycling line out there, um, they have they have these questions, right? This is like a fundamental question for their business, sure. which it should be. Sure. And so they commissioned basically a, a, a case study on how to fix cycling, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. Um, called the Rafa Roadmap, 25,000 word wow. document. And uh, once that's released uh, in the new year, um, Oliver Dugan from their head of content at Rafa is going to come here to the to the forward slash stages studio yeah. to break it down. Yeah. And I, I'm fascinated. They went and talked to all of the stakeholders, all of the people over the last 50 years of the sport to try to figure out how do we fix it. Sure. You know, it's funny. I, I I used to always wonder, like, there's these all these competing um, entities or stakeholders in the sport of cycling. You have the UCI, which is the governing body, which really has a role um, in, you know, managing and and and, uh, enforcing all of the rules. You know, and things like the start line is here, the finish line is here, and and you know. there, there's all this stipulation that goes on with putting on an actual event right. and then giving events sanctioning. Yes. You sanction the events you actually, and then you issue the licenses to the teams and, and they're responsible for kind of making sure that the teams meet certain um, guidelines to be professional organizations. You have the national governing bodies, which um, you know, are essentially components of their national Olympic committees. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have, the actual event owners, right? Amory Sports Organization being the most prominent with the ownership of the Tour de France, uh, and then a handful of other. And your favorite race, the Tour of Spain. That's right, Tour of Spain. And um, and then you have the teams who essentially operate as individual business businesses, right? And uh, and then you have the fans. And then you have the fans. The question I always always wondered is like, why is you know why is it necessary? And of course. The, actually, one other topic, worst thing that ever happened to pro cycling or cycling in general was having professionals in the Olympics. I agree. So, so just don't, don't get me started. Hold hold that thought for a second because okay. I think we'll go back hold to on. that. Okay. But but I was wondered, okay, well, why, you know, why does the ASO need the UCI? You know, or any of these other organizations. And so this is this is what I have a question. So I heard this rumor. I, I heard this, and I don't know if it's true. But the reason that if you're an organizer and you want to put on a, a pro race that you need the UCI is that you have to get a license to close the roads mm-hmm. f- 
from the national cycling body and that it's a European law. Right. In order to close the road in Belgium, you have to go to the Belgian Cycling Federation and get permission and get a permit from them. Yeah. And, and therefore, you have to use the UCI to basically okay. well, govern the race. That so, makes the sport very different than any other sport in the world. So I'm just curious. So if, if somebody can find out if that's true or not, I'd love to actually know. Okay. So they can email to just send it to the forward, the forward podcast. No, at, no we have one for stages. Oh, we do. Great. Yeah, it's stages. See, the CEO knows these things. I don't even know. <laughs> we have an email email for stages. at stages at we do dot team. Yeah. Uh, cool. Send us an email and let us know if that, that's true, because that would be really interesting to understand the dynamics that are influencing this sport from a political perspective. And we had this conversation at dinner last night, like cycling thing is big and as massive as it is globally. This is a very different, what you just said yeah. may or may not be true. I wouldn't be surprised if it was, but it, it cycling differentiates itself from other sports because we don't have a stadium. We don't have an arena. We don't have a practice facility. Right. We are the road is it's our stadium. stadium. Yeah. And it's, and by the way, too, it, it it, it is what it is. That will right. never change, and that should never change. It is amazing that the fans can stand on the side of Alpe d'Huez and, and be close to the Chris Frooms and the and the Bardets of the world, whoever the right. Quintanas, and and literally touch them. Right. But uh, but that also means that at the end of the day, they go back down to the Campanile, <laughs> and there's no wall around the Campanile or right. the Mercure or the Hotel de Ville. Like you are literally just like, what's up, people? Yeah. Like. There is no barrier there that we're getting removed from the Froome situation. But I think it goes back to answering the question, like, why is this sport s such a, a banana republic? Right. Oh, Be yeah. Because it's it's and there are parts, like I just said, that people can can take this sport in personally. But, um, you know, it's just very, very different. There is no separation from the athlete to the fan. Right. And so with that comes access and and by the way the media wants access and by the way mm -hmm. uh you know every all the stakeholders want that special access so that 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 can i just bring up one other thing that i don't get because we just talked about all these stakeholders yeah. right yeah. you've got the international federation you've got the anti-doping agencies the fans the organizers the press the teams the sponsors the industry but then you then you layer in like there's an organization called MPCC, <laughs> which is this movement pour cyclisme. Right. I don't even know what it means. Uh, and they came out today and said, based on the facts that they see, yeah, Chris Froome should be suspended. So I'm like, why do we need who who just created another police force? Well, well, they they basically said to Sky, mm -hmm. you need you should suspend your rider. Right. Well, that would right. You should suspend your employee. Hmm. But there's, but you know, this has always been my point of view. The athletes and the organ, the teams, depend on a clear set of guidelines and rules to operate within. And there's nothing in the UCI rulebook that says, in this current scenario, that the team is required to suspend Chris. So, yeah. why should they do something that they're not required to do? I mean, right? Like, at the end of the day. These teams are in the business of competing to win races so that they can return an investment or sorry, return, you know, on the investment that the sponsors make in that individual team. Yep. Now maybe 
maybe there's where the problem is. Maybe the, the incentives for the teams are not in line with the incentives of the governing body or the anti-doping agency, yep. right? And so you have three agencies or three entities that all have different constituents. And, you know, here we are with the same movie playing over and over. Yep. So let's go. I'm going to go back to Doc because I have a quick Doc, are you still there? Yeah, no, I'm still there. Um, it, it, not that you're Chris Froome or his team doctor, but if, if – just imagining that you are say say he is a severe asthmatic person athlete uh if he if they just said okay <laughs> no more asthma medicines no more salbutamol no more inhalers could could he uh could he compete i mean could, know, no, i'm sorry I, could could he be yeah, competitive yeah. i should say of course he can compete but could he could he, he and would compete. he be yeah that's a that's a tougher question to that's a tougher question to answer i mean obviously he's racing at a very high very elite level with severe asthma so if you if you didn't treat this at all with really salbutamol is what we call a rescue inhaler so it's for when things kind of you know, when the shit hits the fan, when things get bad, that's when you use that. Some people use it throughout the day, but it's very short. So there's other medicines that could be used that are legal. Um, you start to get into some of the inhaled corticosteroids, which corticosteroids in and of themselves have an issue. But um, I think Froome has said that he takes a, 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 a medication called fluticasone, which is a longer acting uh, steroid to help manage some of the asthma. So if you if you took away salbutamol, you said, hey, you can't have this to race anymore. My my impression is that he could race, but I don't personally think that he would be on a podium. Just and not just him. Any any asthmatic with where you you've taken away uh, part of their medication. And Doc, have you paid any attention or read anything at all about? I mean. Obviously, we are where we are. Like, what? Okay, what's next? Right. We talked that it might take forever, but like, there is a next. Like, assuming, well, I, I think we all assume that the B sample is has confirmed the A sample, and so there's this talk about him going in and trying to recreate those conditions and trying to prove that that spike, right, from more than a thousand all the way to two thousand, was. Uh, normal and natural and so have you read it all about that and is that i mean it just seems to me like you're like 18 days into a grand tour uh that, that i don't know how you go into a lab and try to recreate that i think that would be very difficult i mean how, how long how long has this guy been a professional writer 10 years yeah. i mean he's had asthma reportedly for his whole life so i think he as a as the patient would have a good understanding of how these medications work for him. He also, I believe, probably knows the rules and they, they have a good understanding. This is not a hard and fast rule, but let's say Lance, you, you did three puffs of Anna's inhaler before you went out on your ride, right? Each of those puffs is roughly going to turn into about a hundred. If we test your urine. Okay. Yeah. 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 So if I would have tested you 30 minutes later after your three puffs, I probably would have gotten a 300 in your urine. Two and a half hours later, your level would have been 150. 
So each of these drugs has a half-life. Salbutamol is about two and a half hours. So that even though you're using it throughout the day, you're also losing some that you're able to measure throughout the day as well. So um, it, it, it gets to you know, knowing how to, how to handle your disease. You've also got, you've also got team doctors. I, I, I have a hard time believing that a team doctor is going to say, Hey, double your dose during this race. Um, you, you even experienced some of the, you said you felt jittery, right? Mm. These drugs make your heart rate go faster. So, you know, at, at a level of 2000 that Froome's getting, we're talking about 20 to 30 puffs of medication in 12 hours when, when eight puffs is the is the maximum allowed or recommended. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't, uh, you know. So you get to this. And, sorry, go ahead. So it, it, he's he's been tested for ten years, so he's never had a, a a level that's even approached the threshold for ten years. And salbutamol's in the in the class of drugs that get test gets tested for every time. Right. So maybe he's tested a hundred times over the course of that career, and he's never. Uh, reach that level. I mean, maybe maybe there's lab error, but you know, I, I I think that there's something. It just it doesn't smell right. Well, I think I, I think that the bigger issue here is that you know Chris and the team, for that matter, should have the opportunity to have due process, mm-hmm. and that's not that's not Absolutely. happening right now. Yeah. Right. Well, that's that's because I mean, you, you but, right. We can sit here and we can speculate. How could you get to this level? How much did you use? Was it too much? Was it performance enhancing? Which is, you know, that's fine. Yeah, Have those Dylan, conversations. I'm here to tell you, th- these people listening, I don't want to hear you or me, especially talk about due process. I get that. But what I'm trying they to wanna say, they want to know what happened, why it happened. Is somebody a, 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 the biggest cheater that ever lived? Um, are they going to get off or on or what, you know, what's right. That's what, but I think, I think that conversation, you like to say, let me play devil's advocate. (laughs) Nobody wants to hear me talk about fucking due process. Yeah. But the, the issue is that if, if everybody involved is really interested in, in taking the sport forward Mm. and improving or changing the way that the sport was, managed or um how the athletes competed in the past then you have to ask these types of questions you have to look at you know that's when we're going to talk to rafa about the roadmap that's right we're going to talk to them about the roadmap but i think i think um you know as a fan you know i don't i don't want to hear about this stuff until it's actually been investigated Uh and everything you know chris has had his opportunity to participate in the process and get to the end and right or wrong you know we can talk about it when it's all been concluded because right now it's a huge distraction it's 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 another black eye on the sport and even if it turns out that he is acquitted right that all the damage has been done already but let's i agree let's go back to my 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 uh the seed that I planted regarding the Olympics, mm-hmm. you know, when, when, um, when I first started cycling, uh, it was before 96 and the national team, which is run by U- United States cycling Federation under the United States Olympic committee, which is also under the IOC, you know, that was your path 
to making an Olympic team, which as an American is something is really um, a huge honor. Mm-hmm. But I mean, then if you're French, they don't you don't care about it. Right. <laughs> or like Guatemalan. It's I'm, no just, big deal. I'm just I'm spe- just but I'm just saying Italians, like who cares? <laughs> I mean, come on, bro. Uh, OK, going. fair. Sorry, 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 sorry. So but the point being is that like there was this there was a there was a path that that you know, and a system in place, meaning the Federation would focus its resources on developing young riders. There were events for riders to participate in, which would develop them as athletes. And then if they were successful, they could kind of move through the ranks, much like you did. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that's no longer in place because professionals go to the Olympics. The the international or the national cycling federations, while they still invest a great deal of their resources into the development of, of young athletes, it's still that that development channel is still not there. But then on a broader level, look at what happened to the political climate around the IOC and the USOC or the the national. Yeah, you add stakeholders when you when when right. the sport decided to join the Olympic movement back in 1996 was the first year. I mean, you just add more layers, more stakeholders. You add the IOC, you add the USOC, you add WADA and USADA and and I'm not trying to say that those organizations are irrelevant or shouldn't be involved in world sport. Right. But it just it 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 adds uh, it, it more people to the table and that confuses things and they have interests and they're political. And this is you know a lot of these things are political. And so. Um, but that genie's out of the bottle. Right. And so we can't go undo that. Um, and. Um, yeah. I, 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 so I, here's a question for you. How long is this podcast going to go for? I don't know. How long have we been going? I don't know. How long have we been going? 37, 37 minutes. Oh, yeah. we got to wrap up. Because I, I have a final question. We'll okay. get to the end. So Keep, what's your question? So my question, and, and may, well, we, don't, we won't know the answer to this, but I, I'd love to kind of just uh, throw this one out there for a second. Who, 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 and who leaked this to the press? And what do you think the motivation was? Like, it either it either came. It's only two organizations okay. that could have leaked it, and okay. that is WADA or the UCI, and and I mean somebody yeah with a touch point there yeah. So what do you think either organization has to gain by leaking this, or why uh, would yeah. they do it? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, yeah. by the way, by the way, too, a lot of stuff leaks, right? I mean, a lot of if you're reading about sexual harassment in the workplace, that all leaks. Sure. This you know this was quoted from a source who who you know, needed to remain anonymous to blah, 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 blah. That's what they do. So that's right. Um, it just seems it, I know your point. Your point is it seems like it happens a lot in this, in our sport. Right. And I know it's frustrating. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, it, it, something to, there's something fishy about this transition from the Cookson presidency or Cookson. Right. Uh, um, Era regime. to regime, or not regime, but uh, to La Parchian. There's, there's something, yeah. To me, something happened in the middle of that transition, yeah. And um, that might just be too easy to to lob up, but I don't know. We'll we'll find out. Yeah, we will find out. And then what? What? But so the one, the one thing that uh, I just want to bring this up, and we can wrap up with this because. If you're if you're here in the United States or even really anywhere in the world, especially U.S. or Great Britain, you know that Disney just bought Fox. That's right. So a blockbuster deal, you know, tens and tens of billions, maybe hundreds of billions. I don't even know the number. Um, 
I posed the question to a, a great friend of mine, journalist, who's pretty dialed in. Like, could the combo of the two, Disney buying Fox, meets uh, the the this Chris Room situation, could that be the end of Team Sky? Mm-hmm. And I expected him to say, "Oh no way, come on!" Right. That was not the response I got. The response was absolutely right. That you know, it, you know, this is. Then you start to go to the character, the players here. Dave Brailsford, who started the team and still runs the team, is super tight with uh, the Sky guys and the Fox guys. Yeah. They're sort Murdoch. of homies. Yeah. Right? James Murdoch, his son. There's another guy who runs Sky over there. I mean, they're connected at the hip. Disney comes in. Do those guys, are they, you know, it, it takes two guys to leave. Right. A big American corporation that, you know, the closest thing they ever got to dope was the, the, the animated character Dopey. <laughs> and so they they're like hang on a second <laughs> you know we can they're going through going what can we get rid of well you know and that's that's then look people can i don't have an opinion on sky and in fact it, i do have an opinion if i watch them i'm like look they're well funded i don't give a shit yeah people are like oh they have too much money no whatever go then go go get more money yeah they're super professional and i'm not trying to defend Wait, can, I, can i pause you for a second no what's, what's their budget what, what's it's a lot? Sky? No, what's the sky budget? I like don't know. Ballpark, thirty million? No, maybe more. Okay, let's call it forty million. Okay, good. Forty million dollars is a lot of money for a team of that size to operate at the level that they do and yeah. return the number of impressions that they do. Right, like, well, that, there's they, single they, baseball players making more I than understand, that. Understand, but they get criticized for having forty million bucks a year. Well, I but I don't. Absurd. But, but I, I, I'm not against any of that. But okay. But. If that were to go away, right, the the largest budget in cycling, that would that that then you have then you start to go look, you look at yourself and like look how stupid we are. Well, right. Well, whoever is responsible for leaking this Chris Froome situation to the press probably just doesn't care. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, it's not whatever, but it's it's that we'll never know. We'll All never right. know. Right. You know, nobody's going to raise their hand and say, okay, I, yeah. I, I leaked it. Well, my, you, you know, can I just say one, there's one thing that I, I just have to, I have to okay. get out because it's really, uh, it, it, it bothers me. The, the, Brian Cookson in all of this yeah. is, is kind of the X factor. And to me, you know, he came in with all of this. He said everything right. Right. He beat Pat McQuaid. He beat down the awful old Pat McQuaid and Hein Verbruggen and Armstrong sure. regime. Uh, an era and I'm coming in hey, he said everything right. right we're gonna clean up the sport we're gonna promote women's cycling we're gonna do that da, 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 da. and he he got smoked in the election like 37 to 8 or whatever it was because he didn't do really right. anything that he said he was gonna do he knew about this the whole time keeping in mind that two weeks ago he gave an interview to the BBC right went on the line went on the record and said um, Team Sky Bradley Wiggins Chris Froome, they should all have their reputations reinstated. If you right. have, and he knew all this was going to come out at some sure. point, how in your right mind could you say, you've got to be, you got to be an idiot well, to come out and say that. Uh, you know, there's something going on behind the scenes. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the reality. All right. I think that wraps it up. Is there anything that we missed? Should we leave any teasers? Teasers for what? Well, I don't know. I mean, Doc, I think, thanks for, thanks for uh, yeah, joining thanks us. Yeah, 
Hey, super fun, man. Doc is a, he's a really fast swimmer. And so now that I just told him about that Danish study, he's going and getting three prescriptions for those th- so he can drop a second in his hundred fly tomorrow. Absolutely. I've 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 seen I've go. been in the pool with you. I, it, you get a little competitive, so uh, only, only it's only I'm that's only around the company I'm keeping. Remember right? that first time in Hawaii we did six two hundreds and I let you know I, I was right on your feet and then I just destroyed you in the last three. Do you remember that? And then you woke up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Thanks for tuning in and to everybody listening. Hey, thanks thank for tuning you. in. And um, yeah, any questions or comments or you know stuff we got wrong, email us at uh, yeah stages stages at we do dot team and. Um, we definitely want to hear from you. Cool. Thanks, so.